I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Featured Anime Podcast. I'm your host, Jack. And I'm Rick. And today we're talking about The Promised Neverland, which was a recommendation by Tobayashi067 off of Twitter. So thank you very much for that recommendation. It was a very nice revisit for me. And I hope it was a nice watch for you. It really was. I wasn't really expecting too much out of it, considering it, it I assumed was going to be, I don't know. I, I assumed it was not going to be good. And I was pleasantly disappointed. Well, good. It is uh, 12 episodes long. It ran from January 2019 through March. A couple producers for it are Aniplex, Dentsu, A1 Pictures. Studio of Cloverworks, uh, the source was off of a manga, and the genres are sci-fi, mystery, horror, psychological, thriller, and shonen. And luckily, it even though it left on a positive, albeit an open note, season two is right around the corner, coming out in January 2021. So I am personally happy to hear that a season two is going to be right around the corner for us. I agree. I was looking at it and the way it ended, yeah, you know, if you'd have shown me this when it came out, what, last year, I would have been sorely disappointed, especially with this whole COVID pandemic popping up because I, you know, it probably pushed back everything I was watching. Oh yeah. But because it <laughs> because I watched it so late, I didn't have to suffer the way you suffered. I I watched um, it as it was being released, so I had that hanger oh, every geez. week. It's like after Jeez. episode one, it's like, well, that's got to be hooked. Yeah. episode. You told me we talked about it off, off, you know, off the record. And you had mentioned something along the lines of, oh, by episode three, you understand what's going on. No, no, no. By episode one, you know what's going on. Yeah. Like they're not shy about what's going on. And I agree with you. This is more horror centric than anything else. It's not as horror as in like what you see is disgusting. It was horror as in what your head, what you see in your mind, because they leave a few things to the imagination is just horrific. Oh, yeah. But they were willing to show so much in the first episode. I was kind of curious what they held back because a common tactic for most shows is, you know, the elusive danger. You know what I mean? Where they, they always hint at the danger. They don't really expose what's going on. Whereas here. Episode one, you know what the big bad is. You know who the big bad is and you know, like what their motive is. Yeah. And you just find out how progressively worse it gets through the show. Oh, dear Lord. Yeah. I feel like in general, it was very, very well and tastefully done. It wasn't done in such a way where it just made you feel like it, 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 where it made you feel wanting. It was done in such a way where it kind of made you feel wanting, but at the same time, it helped bring you more understanding to the entire situation that they're in. I think I know what you mean. Where you're not, you feel like they've they've given you just enough information, and they don't leave it on a cliffhanger visually. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. And while I will say they 
whoever's drawing this, whatever studio is there, they've got some really talented artists because at the very beginning I was looking at it and I'm going, these faces are all wrong. Like this is not going to be a good, good, good show for me because the proportions on the faces on the faces are completely skewed. And then you go from that to just, uh, so the very first corpse, let's call it that they see is drawn in such detail that it just, you can feel the terror. Oh yeah. And it, it was really good that way. The The story really didn't give you the, the, the terror feeling, but the animation did. Yeah. I, I, I feel like the story between the story, the animation and the music that they had playing really helped it out. I'm going to have to agree. Cause I didn't really notice the music until like it was loud. And when I backed up a little bit, you could hear it softly playing almost, I'd say 70% of the time. Yep. It was, it's definitely done in such a way where it's not overwhelming, but it's there for you to just kind of understand the mood that's going on. And then when it really needs to amp up that emotion, that horror type of emotion, the music really tends to build up then. And it's been quite a while since we've actually had any shows where the music really played a part in it where it actually really kind of stood out to at least me. You know, I, again, I only really noticed it when it was already loud. Like it was so subtle to build up. I, I would say the suspense that it came with was, was impressive by itself, but yeah, the music definitely did enhance the situations to, I would say to, to an acceptable degree yeah. without it. I don't think I've been on the edge of my seat so often. Yeah, so it was it was definitely very tastefully and well done. The Cloverworks, they've done some of the anime or some of the episodes for Fairy Tale, Fairy Tale, the final series. They've done some of the episodes for Darling and the Frogs. They've done Bunny Senpai. They've done Persona, Fate Grand Order animations. They did some other ones that are out there that I'm personally not too familiar with, uh, but just from at least the Fate, Fate Grand Order series and movies and yeah. uh, Darling of the Frogs, it really kind of makes me want to go and check check out all, some of their under, other works. Yeah, like I agree with you. The, the range just by those two titles alone, Darling of the Frogs and um, Fate Stay, like the Grand Order, that it's impressive actually that they'd also be able to do this with any, with, you know, if you were to show me the those three things side by side, I would not have thought they came from the same um, same artists because the, there's really hardly any crossover in animation style. Yeah. So to show that kind of diversity that that's impressive. Yeah. And one of the things uh, in terms of animation that I actually really enjoyed, especially when it came to this series to, to the promised Neverland is the eyes. Everyone had different eyes, but even at that point when they were trying to convey a particular emotion, anger, sadness, horror, the eyes were always different when it came to that. And then when they had to reset and pretend to be happy, the eyes always had this look that they always fell back to as well. And you can instantly see what was being conveyed from the eyes, how they were being drawn. Yeah. The only person that I couldn't really tell what was going on was the mother or it was the mom. And even still, even still, there was some I, I, a hidden agenda, I would feel, you know? Yeah. So to kind of give uh, overall premise to to anyone who has not seen this is you're basically on an 
orphanage, and I use air quotes for orphanage, because what it actually is, it's a farm. And the children on this farm are the produce. They are the product. And their whole... Yeah, the cattle. Yeah, they, they're just the cattle for it. For these monsters, or demons is what they're called. And the mom, or mama, as they like to refer to her as, is the caretaker or the farmer for this farm. And basically, if you're six years old and you're the dumbest one out of the entire group, you're the first one to go. And then you have a baby <laughs> that's come that comes in and takes your place. Now, as messed up as that sounds, that is that is facts. If you're if you're the smartest individual, if you are the smartest one there, you will last the longest. But the longest you will be able to stay there for is until you're 12 years old. And then once you're 12 years old, you're shipped out. You're given to a family, so to speak, but you're actually just going to be eaten. You find a foster home. Yeah. Basically at the age of, at the tender age of 12, assuming you are top marks on the tests and your brain has developed in such a fashion that it has accumulated such precious, juicy knowledge and has weathered the test of time as far as the array of, of emotions you'd go through your brain apparently is the most succulent dish. These monsters eat. Yeah. And they do reference a couple different times that, uh, the three main protagonists, Emma, Ray and Norman, they all reach perfect marks. They all have perfect marks. They're all age 11. They're all at the top and they're, they've been there the longest since obviously they're all 11 and there's one in particular guy that or demon that they're going to present them to or at least one of them to so that way he has a very succulent and delicious meal you don't know who it is you don't know why that person or particular person is important or demon is important i should say you just know that it's a big deal because they reference it several times and you also learn throughout the series like how they're able to keep it, keep everyone reined in how they're able to keep track of all the children and what the true conditions are. So everything from the, how they're raised, the environment, the food, the clothing they're given, it's all meant to give them an ideal upbringing in that particular environment while giving them tests and teaching them and everything like that. So that way their knowledge grows. So that way they do uh, taste at the pinnacle of deliciousness. Now to give you an idea, as far as the intellect with these three kids, one is a master strat- strategist, 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 strategist. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> See, I've been one of the first to go like six years old, Rick, it's time to go. You're a little, uh, a little, a little, a little early for this world. Let's go foster home just for you. Um, but, that one is a master's uh, strategist. Another one is just a genius unto themselves. And the last Emma is, how did they say it? She was smart enough that she was still made. She was a, like a physical genius or something. She has the most physical aptitude, but her ability to learn allows her to actually keep up with the others. Yeah. So, Basically, you've got one kid who's got his nose in the books all the time. Yep. One kid who doesn't have to trust. You've got Naruto, Sasuke, and <laughs> Sakura, except this Sakura isn't useless. Yeah. Um, 
And it's just the way they interact with each other and the, the, the plan that they make at the tender age of 11. And I say tender because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make it sound like it's a, a juicy steak. Like they're still on the chopping block, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. But it's why they're so desired. They are considered high quality produce. And uh, you come to find out that one of the kids is actually a spy for mom. Mom is there. Mom went through this program before when she was a child, but she was deemed smart enough and talented enough to eventually run her own farming program. Right. And depending on your outlook, it's smart or crazy, I guess would be a good way to put it to try to figure out if you, if your mom material or not. So what they said was moms are chosen from women or girls who reach perfect marks and show particular traits or signs. And Emma was told, Hey, you know, you show these traits and signs. I can put the word in so that way you're given the choice to become or go through the program to become a mom. Basically it's, here's your choice. You either become a mom, you you go through the training program and become a, a mom or a sister for one of the farms or you get eaten. I mean, like, here's your choice. Do you die now or you die later? But the choice yeah. to become a mom or sister isn't without its own problems. Once you cho- yeah. choose to become a mom or, or a sister to go through that program, you still have tests that you have to do every single day. And you have training that you go through, not only home ec t- style training, but you also have martial arts training, fighting training, so that way you can do what you need to do to be able to protect your cattle, so to speak, um, but yeah. also keep them in line. And then on top of that, they also have a surgery done where a probe or, elect- or a device is implanted in them. And if they were to leave outside the farm, like where all the farms are, if they were to leave outside that giant compound, they would die. An electrical shock would would shoot throughout their body and they would die. Yeah. It's kind of like having a, a, a pacemaker, but one that will kill you if you go outside a certain range. Exactly. And on top of that, they're also used for giving birth to the babies that are used for the farms. Now I got a question. Do you think they cycle them through? Cause they don't really say really much of anything. Cause I know in order to be a mom, you have to have given birth. So technically you'd be a mom anyway. But and maybe that's why the sisters aren't moms yet, because the sisters haven't given birth. But these kids are coming from somewhere, right? Yeah. And obviously we saw mom at the very end being pregnant and giving her little life's backstory and whatnot. And I didn't they say like the quality of the kid you give off greatly affects whether or not you can be a mom? I don't believe they said anything in that regard. Uh I do know that. I do have a couple questions that I hope are answered in season two. Such as? Well, one of the guys, uh, William Minerva, or whatever his name is, WM, the one mm-hmm. for the books where, so in the series, they find out that there's these books and they have Morse code. And these kids basically figure out that the, these Morse codes tell them what they just figured out. Yeah, that you're on a farm, there's demons, they're going to eat you and everything like that. But also, so one of the characters that was in there for a little bit Sister Crone, which I think she yeah. was really creepy in and of itself, but you know. Oh, hard, hard. 
There was no little bit about it. Like she was straight creepy just because. Yeah. And you could tell she was off a rocker as a result of this whole program, as a result of this whole thing. She would talk to a stuffed animal and she would like be, oh, no, no, don't cry. They're going to hear you. Don't cry. And I'm like, this is a stuffed animal. You literally just ripped its head off and like stomped it out to where the, 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 the skin, let's call it around the, 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 in the, in the baby was in tatters and somehow some way she was able to re-sew this baby thing back together but she could never fix the neck for some weird reason yeah the weakest part <laughs> yeah well i mean i'm glad that she in the in the end she did die yeah and she but the reason why i, br- I bring her up right so during that scene i'm glad you brought up that she's dying but during that end scene where they're flashing back through her whole cycle her being offered that choice, her growing up in the thing, her being offered that choice, her going through the training and program. Then she spies on that doctor that's there, William Minerva, right? And then as that's he's the walking, doctor, I'm assuming because he drops the pen as he's walking away and his initials WM are on it. I didn't get that. Yep. So that pen that she picked up from him dropping as he was walking away, she left that pen for Norman just before she left along with that imprint of the, of the key. Yeah. If you look at the pen, the initials are scratched on it. Huh? You have a better attention to detail than I do. Cause I didn't think about that. So, I mean, I could be reaching, I could be reaching, but I, mean, I think you're reaching in the appropriate direction though. Why they, in this anime, they don't really do stuff because like, there's always a reason for it, whether we find out now or, you know, six episodes from now. There's always a reason. Exactly. It's not something that's just shown just because it's shown with a reason or a purpose. Now, I do have a question. They all have tracking devices implanted in their ears, right? Yes. So one of the things was it had to be a battery thing that ran for a while, 12 years, you know, a battery that wouldn't give out for 12 years because that's how they were able to locate everybody. And I thought it was kind of interesting that these kids with their 11 year old intellect was, were able to make a taser basically from like a bunch of different parts. Now a a bunch of different things. Now, what if instead of it being a, a battery operated tracking device that can be short circuited with a taser, um, what happens if it was just like, you know, uranium of some kind, some device that gave off a, uh, a second life or a half life, that could be tracked by this device. I don't, I mean like with it being in such a small compact device, I think, and this is just my conjecture one. I don't think they would have a way for them to be able to do that. Otherwise they would have it so that way you can see who is, which dot. I mean, like if you're going to go through, through the process to try and do that, I think part of the reason for them being shipped off at 12 and only at 12 is because that's roughly around the time frame because there it's basically implanted when you're one years old, you're, you're there, it's implanted yeah. and you have it for the next 11 years. And I think they figured out that after 11 years for something that size, so that way it's unobtrusive and it's not noticed at 11 years, that's it. And I think that's where they do the cutoff. Okay. So the battery basically dies after that time frame, anyways. So let's just harvest them so that way we don't have to worry about, doing surgery on a whole bunch of kids to re-implant a new device in them because then they, the older they get, the more suspicious they're going to get. And besides, once they get to teenagers anyways, 
they're going to be harder to control and they'll be unruly. That is true. That is very true. Yeah. Either way, I hope they'll like describe what happens a little bit later because they're saying that the books and the the information they have is up to 2015. Yes. So this means that it is, I'm hoping, far in the future, although the way 2020 is going... Uh, could uh, <laughs> we we could have a December surprise? Never know, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they that's the other interesting thing, right? They never specify the time frame for it. I would assume that it is a lot further along in terms of future the future, anyways, than just 2015. Mm-hmm. One because of the technology that's there available to them, and two when you see them actually testing, which is once how they're being tested and how they're able to go through the testing processes. It's not something that even in 2015 was available. So that's true. It, it'll be, it's interesting to see the time frame for it. It'll also be interesting to see how they really kind of play it out. Well, one of the things that kind of surprised me is there was a lot of trees. There was a lot of trees and not that much infrastructure. So if let's assume it is in this world, right? Mm-hmm. Let's assume it is in 50 years from now. Right. Where, if at all possible, would you be able to hide such a large location and just have it being surrounded by trees and nothingness? Well, there's a lot of different places like that that are out there. I mean, there's large swaths of land in America that are just largely unpopulated or untouched. Humans in general as a species tend to congregate on top of each other. I mean, like if, especially, I mean, like you should know, Rick, when you're flying on a plane, you're looking out, you'll see city and then nothing city, then nothing It's just like large, large sections where there's absolutely nothing. No, you got a point. It's just, I don't know. It just seems like that seems to be the most fantastic portion of the whole anime to me where you'd have just this, this beautiful location this farming land, let's let's assume, in the middle of nowhere or in the middle of this, you know, rainforest. So I don't know. It, it just that part was the most unrealistic to me because I don't really see too many, too much fertile land being wasted that way. Well, for the demons, it's not being wasted. It's allowing them to control an environment as a whole when they're not having to worry about anything or anyone flying overhead. They're not having to worry about anyone coming in through the forest to get to there because not only is this farm land protected by walls that are stupid high, but there's a straight drop cliff in between the wall and the forest that's right up against them. So I have a, I have a theory that I think you might enjoy because I don't think you thought of it. Hopefully. Okay. Imagine, if you will, that this is dystopian future mm-hmm. where people evolved two different ways. The eaters and the breeders, where you've got those things, those those demon-looking things, are just the furthest advance of humans. Humans have gone to the point where they've eaten everything, and the only thing they have left to do is breed lesser versions of themselves. Because the one time we get to see more than, what, two of these creatures, they're sitting at a round table and they're eating these flower things. And that's when we find out like the higher quality kids or harvest go to this one person. Right. But you do see other creatures or other monsters there, especially when they're making their escape too. 
they looked like cookie cutter, just like grunt, lower life form versions of the the demons, you know? Yeah, but that doesn't mean that they're any different from from them. I mean, like, obviously you would have different tiers and hierarchy for it. But also at the same time, for them to be able to pull that technology still cameras and everything else, because they do bring in a Polaroid camera at the very end. Yeah. Well, the Polaroid camera was just that it was old. It was a Polaroid. It was a right. It wasn't state of the art. Exactly. Because, you know, they're not going to give them something that's state of the art to especially to a kid that's going to be eaten quickly. Yeah. But I think that there are cities or if not cities, there are pockets of resistance that are still fighting them in the future for or wherever this is. We hope so. It is. It seems to be a hope of all the kids as they're running away. But I, I don't know. There's been no real concrete evidence that there's even there's a resistance going on, let alone like pockets of, of what we would deem civilization. Right. The only thing that we have that is even in sign of that is the books that have that Morse code that's in there. And you'd have to be smart, like way smarter than your average kid just to notice that. Which is luckily you know? they are. Yeah. Luckily they're genius intellect, which is why, you know, their brains are so succulent. Exactly. I got a question. Okay. Now the entire show I was watching with, with my girl and she kept throwing these predictions out there that were wrong. Okay. One after the other, after the other, after the other. It was kind of funny because I was thinking it's along the, her line of thought too. And the anime just went a completely different direction. Now, do you happen to remember kids' names? Not Connor. Are you talking about Norman or Ray? Norman. 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 Yes. So when Norman went to go get essentially sacrificed, he's opened in a door and asked to wait here. Now she tends to think that he didn't die. I I think he did, only because his ghost, quote unquote showed up and gave encouragement. Although that could have just simply been, you know, their own imaginations and he's actually still alive and ends up becoming a doctor or something like that for these beasts. Cause he's not stupid. And and that's exactly where my train of thought is. Right. And, and the reason why I don't think he's dead, I think he was given the choice in between the two, like the girls, cause you only know about the girls being offered a choice between two different ones. Right. You don't know anything about the boys simply because the mother isn't a boy. So she wouldn't know, or she just has no reason to say anything when Connie was right. So when Connie, the very first episode, this girl, Connie, she's the first one that's sacrificed instant. I mean, like you could assume that she was instantly taken, stabbed, thrown in the back of the truck for food. And that was it. All right. Norman was the only one that was taken to those monsters that was not shown to have died. You have a point. I just did a mental recap. And yeah, everyone who went there, the sister, Connie, that's really the only two. They actually, yeah, they showed them being killed. They well, did. not being killed, but they showed the aftermath that when they're actually their corpse. Well, they showed uh, sister Crone being killed. They sh- showed her getting stabbed with that flower thing. And that's part of the baller blood. Yeah. But for Norman, all they did was show him walking in there and then her telling him mom telling Norman to go and sit down, but they did not expressly or explicitly show him dying. Huh? 
And when he walked in there, he ha- also gave off, I feel like a kind of a funny look, like, like kind of a, a bewilderment. Surprise. Yeah. Surprised look. Okay. Good. Well, I mean, hopefully they recap it in season two. It, if he is so they have to. Yeah. It'd be foolish to leave something like that un unlooked at, you know? Yeah. Jeez. Now, what I thought was kind of cool was how Emma's whole existence kind of mirrored Isabella's existence or mom's existence where mom tried to escape once and was met with the horror that she couldn't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I think that's kind of why the mom was like, Hey, I think you'd be good as a mom too. I can recommend it if you want. And it's just, it goes to show that while Isabella tried to run on her own, the kids actually are, are the reason why that Emma's able to escape. And the last, the last real gut shot for the whole thing for me was that you find out that Ray's real mom was the lady known as mom. And not only did she know he knew. Yeah. Because apparent memory glitch or whatever you'd like to call it, you know, plot armor would be a good way to put it. Plot device, this this particular name is plot device, where he's able to remember everything since he was a fetus. Yeah. What what is he says it's a infantile amnesia and in rare circumstances or in rare cases, uh some babies don't uh incur that. They're actually able to remember. Yeah, that's step one to realizing he was really smart. I'm glad that they did like specifically call out uh, infantile amnesia uh, because what that is, what infantile amnesia is, is basically before the age of two, you basically can't remember anything. But some people even and it's a real thing. Some people are able to recall certain episodic memories from before the age of two. And that's what he says. And he, he says, it's not like I can recall everything as clear as day. I'm able to remember parts and pieces and I'm able to recall certain things that are throughout it. There, which kind of creepy if you think about it. Yeah. And so I'm glad they didn't just create something for the hell of it, you know, to create that, that all oh, this thing has never been around before. So we're going to create it. So that way we have this plot armor to help tie it in. It is a very rare thing that does actually happen. It is kind of nice because they are bringing real stuff in. For instance, some of the books he was reading were real books. Um, Some of the physics that they were doing are real world physics, like the water bottle um, rocket thing. Yeah. And how what I thought was kind of cool is how the kid was able to throw the rock with the rope attached to it. Like that's actually how you do it. Yep. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. It for what it was, even though it was far fetched, even though it was kind of out there in what it was, I'm glad that it brought some very real aspects back with it. Some, some realism with it. Yeah, me too. Made it feel like it was, it wasn't so much based in fantasy and it could have actually eventually happened. And that right there is kind of just uh, <laughs> that in itself is kind of a, a horror, a horrible idea, if you will. <laughs> but that, yeah, that that's just to think that that could actually potentially happen. It, it's a little more than worrisome. Yeah. So. Yep. No, I get you. But uh, I think that that's most of it, right? 
Yeah, I think we're pretty good on that. I think it's a great spot for us to leave off on a rating, sir. So on a scale of up to 10, how would you rate this? Because I know there's a second season coming out, I'm going to give it a a, eight. It had overall good quality, good graphics, the music, like you said, even though for me, it didn't, I didn't notice it till it was like, you know, in your face. Um, I thought it was, it was well done. Um, A lot of the time music is there not to be noticed, but to not to be the focal point, but to be an addition to something. And I think it did a really good job here. Um, The plot, really interesting. Something that I'd, I'd be keen to see a second ep- second season for and um yeah i thought that even if there wasn't a second season they did a really good ending kind of a lackluster happy-go-lucky ending but but still a good ending in my opinion yeah so yeah eight what about you uh i actually also give it an eight um i also did a couple checks too uh real quick uh the time frame for when this actually happens for all this is happening is actually in the year 2044, 2045. Oh, we still got time then. We got time. We got ample time. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I give it an eight because it was actually really good. And there's one thing that another thing that I actually really thought was done well when they're escaping, how they're able to at least throw mom off is not by disabling all of the trackers. What they did was Ray cut off his ear that had the tracker part in it and left it in a fire. Emma then while running away also cut off part of her ear and threw it off to the side to throw mom off as well while they escaped. Now I got a question. Do you think they did that to all the kids where they had enough time to where they could just pluck out the things? I think they used the device to disable it because the only two that had bandages on their ears was Ray and Emma. Yeah, that's right. And I think the only reason why they didn't disable theirs is because they wanted to ha- throw mom off just long enough so that way they can make their escape. Flawless. And painful. And painful, yes, but still flawless. Oh, yeah. The logic behind that is is sound. All right, so next week is my choice, I believe. Yes. All right, so next week we're actually going to go with uh, another series that I've actually seen, believe it or not, Elfin Lied. And it came out in 2004, and it's about 13 episodes long. The genres are action, horror, psychological, supernatural, drama, romance, and sunny. Okay. I think I've seen the first or so episode of Elfin Lied. Um, kind of graphic. But. <laughs> it is. It is very graphic. It's also very, <laughs> very good. I, I think it's a really good uh, show to watch, so it's definitely worth your time. Okay. I trust you. Well, good. I hope so. So, yeah. <laughs> so next week's episode is uh, next week's series, I guess, will be Elf and Lied. It will be. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. I hope you all enjoyed this week's choice. Uh, feel free to drop in in the Discord, chat with us. We'd love to talk to you about the anime shows, games, anything else, really. We're always in there. We're always hanging out. We're always talking about anything and everything. And you can also reach out to us on Twitter. Give us recommendations on there like uh, Tobayashi067 did for uh, the choice of uh, Promised Neverland. And you can reach out to us on there at Those Anime Guys on Facebook at Featured Anime Podcast or email us at Featured Anime Podcast at gmail.com. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, just go ahead and leave a comment. And don't forget to like, subscribe or anything else. Rate us anywhere you listen to us. It really does help us out. And until next time. 
I'm Jack. And I'm Rick. And unless we're dinner, we'll see you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>